Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast, an introspective look at video gaming from the classic era to the modern day. Now here is your host, Brian. Hey folks, what's going on? Brian here, and this is episode number 55 of the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. Okay, when last we left off, um, the big thing is, is that I'm looking for a place to live. Um... I've lived in this apartment complex for 18 years, and the cost of a two-bedroom apartment is getting pretty prohibitive, so it's time for me to move on, I think. Um, I also live with my son and his mother and a friend of the family, and a two-bedroom apartment just isn't going to cut it anymore, so we need at least a three-bedroom. four-bedroom would be even better, but a three will do. Um... So, yeah, I've been just checking the housing market and, you know, trying to get viewings and things like that. And I think everybody's trying to get as much affordable housing as they can because the market is just going up and up and up. And it's really hard to afford a place right now. But either way, I'm just going to keep plugging at it. Um, On the video gaming front, um, I know I'm late to the party, but I actually got uh, Tom Clancy's The Division 2 and I've been playing that for like the last what, six days and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I thought I wouldn't be good at it because I wasn't really that great at first person shooters but I'm really enjoying this game. It's fun. I mean, the storyline is great. Uh, The action is good. I mean, the only thing that Ubisoft needs to do is make that game a lot more stable because it crashes a lot and I spent a very frustrating Sunday night into Monday morning trying to get the game to load correctly and only after getting some advice from a streamer who plays that game a lot was I able to be uh, run the game uh, reliably so Shout out to Quad God. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what's doing on the gaming front right now. Um, I still go in early to before my shift at the arcade, and I still you know go and play some games before I start my shift. That's about all the arcade gaming I'm doing right now. With me looking for new housing, and until we get into a new place and get settled, you know all my plans for arcade visits and arcade runs are on hold right now um and of course like i said after i found out that i owe taxes i'm going to have to put the chicago trip on the back burner probably until next year i mean it's disappointing but it is what it is that's life um let's see um i'm going to take a moment here and i'm going to talk about something a little bit personal um i found out Uh, late last week that uh, one of the guys I grew up with uh, in my childhood and teenage years uh, his name is Kirk Lloyd he passed away I think he was if I'm 53 I think he was either 50 or 51 he was like one or two years younger than me maybe even three but that's real relevant now Um, Kirk Lloyd was a 
good friend of mine. I mean, he wasn't as good a friend of mine as his older brother, Mark, who I named my son after. But he was still a good friend, and <laughs> I have all kinds of memories of the guy. I mean, the first time I even met Kirk was maybe about, I'd say probably a month or so, maybe two months after uh, the Lloyd family moved next door to my house. And we were having a family cookout in our backyard and you know we're just you know doing our thing family you know kids running around all that stuff uh when this kid comes over and he asks for a soda and we never met or spoken with any of the lloyd family up until that point you know they were still kind of getting everything settled from moving to the north end of bridgeport I think they lived on the East End before that. I think that's what it was. Um, but, so, you know, we he just came over, this little five-year-old kid, because I think this was like, what year was this? I think this was like 77, I think. 76 or 77, somewhere in there. And at 76, I was seven years old going on eight, and in 77, I was eight going on nine, so if he's like two or three years younger than me he was like five or six years old tops so he comes over and just asks us for soda and you know everybody sort of laughed because um you know here's this kid just bold as brass just walking next door you know not even introducing himself or anything else he just asked us for soda so we and i think my mother ended up giving him some soda and you know that's where everything kind of started um shortly after that then once they kind of got everything settled in their home the kids started coming out and you know you know i met mark i met kirk i met eric and i met tanya and chris chris was the oldest um eric is the second oldest i think tanya's third mark was fourth kirk was the baby and so you know through the years you know as kids of the neighborhood do you know you have your friendships you have your squabbles you have this that and the other thing but you know you know kirk was a decent kind of guy and only after i reconnected with him on facebook several years ago and found out all the things that he had gone through which i'm not going to go into here but suffice it to say it's the worst thing that a parent can go through and i think he went through it twice and you know he just was a decent dude and you know it was fun with him catching up with him and reminiscing about all the old days back on you know back in our neighborhood and you know all the stuff we used to do and all that kind of stuff i mean we kept in touch throughout the whole time and you know, when I heard that he lost his life, I was pretty crushed about it. You know, I'm still not feeling okay about it, but, you know, you know, life goes on, unfortunately. I mean, you know, I did a little bit of a uh, description of him when I did my latest post on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, I got a bunch of likes from the Lloyd family and, you know, even Eric, the, uh, 
second oldest, you know, thanked me for, you know, saying some kind words as well as a bunch of people that I grew up in my neighborhood. So, Godspeed, Kirk. I just hope that you found some peace at last because I only have the barest understanding of what you've gone through over the years, but even with that minuscule understanding, you know, I kind of get it. So, I wish you nothing but resting in peace and I'll see you again someday okay with that out of the way um, let's see I've done uh, email checks and voicemail checks and still nothing's out there come on people I know you guys listen I know you guys have video games that you consider your favorites and the, the ones you like to talk about so hey hit me up arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com also, I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr, and I have a number for voicemails as well. That number is 734-743-2433. On Instagram, I am at Arcade Addict Brian. On uh, Twitter, I am at Arcade Addict underscore B. On uh, Facebook, just search for Confessions of an Arcade Addict. It will take you right to the page. If you do a search for Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast, that's the discussion group, which reminds me I need to get off my butt and post another question to the crowd out there. Um, and, of course, Tumblr is tumblr.com slash blog slash Confessions of an Arcade Addict. So, hey, hit me up already. You know, I get a little tired of sitting here talking by myself. So, with all that out of the way, let's get on with the show. Um, it's nowhere near as information heavy as episode 54 was, um, but I think there's still quite a bit to talk about, and I think you're going to like it. So let's get right on to it with Arcade Rundown. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. Your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it, is to make Stefan believe Thompson's information. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This state will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. Arcade Rundown. Keystone Bar and Arcade, Ypsilanti, Michigan. Okay. Um, I had heard of a restaurant called Bobcat Bonnie's a few months after I started the podcast when I was scouring the internet uh, for places in the greater Detroit area to go and visit and check out. Um, I think I had found out about Bobcat Bonnie's in like 2019, but that was literally just before the pandemic hit. Um, and as we all know, 2020 was a pretty much a wash for going out due to all the uh, restrictions even before the Delta and Omicron variants, uh, most businesses were not open regular business hours as everybody was told to stay home. Um, but one night in uh, May of 2020, um, when things started to open back up a little bit, um, I decided to take an evening and go out, even if it was just going to go to uh, Bobcat Bonnie's and check out Keystone and then I was going to go to Pinball Pete af afterwards. I do have an on-the-road segment at the end of the show, and that details my, th my thoughts during that evening. Um, I will post that at a future date. When I got to uh, Bobcat Bonnie's, I was starving. But, you know, I put my stomach on hold for a second because I had to just see what 
Keystone was all about, so I went down the stairs and scoped the place out before coming back upstairs to have dinner. Um, it's a quirky little place uh, with muted neons, a centrally located bar, several couches and tables are about, and several state-of-the-art pinball machines and arcade machines. Um, another nice little touch at the time, uh, they did have a chessboard near the center of the room. At the time, two people were playing a rather intense yet quiet game. Um, after going back upstairs and having my dinner, I went right back downstairs, got changed for a $20 bill, and started playing games. At the time, they had three arcade machines, which you guys know my opinions on those. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't like the way the machines are built. Um, like I said, uh, arcade machines have four-way joysticks. They have, like, a, I think there are, like, two or three uh, different arcade machines you can get. But um, I think the ROM set is like 60 games. It's like 40 or 60 games. I think that's the, the difference. And um, most of the games have, um, have to have eight-way joystick movement in order to play properly. And most and the joysticks I've played on every iCade, and I've been I played iCades in like three different locations now, and they're only f in four directions. I got into a little bit of a debate with somebody on uh, Instagram about that. I'm like, because he basically was saying, well, the majority of games on iCades are four directional, so what's the big deal? I'm like, if you're going to put out an actual arcade machine, you have to make sure that the controls work as well as possible. <laughs> you know, and that's pretty much, I said that through gritted teeth because I just was like, how can somebody be so ignorant? I could care less if it if it's like 45 versions of Pac-Man or Wizard of War or any other game that requires a four-directional joystick. I don't care. I mean, it has to have eight-way joystick movement for games like Time Pilot or 1942. Both of those games are, are on the iCades that I've seen. So playing those games in four directions is crippling. You know, but that's just how I feel about it. I'm not going to go on more of a rant than that. Um, let's see. So, yeah, I mean, I've talked about that. The four-way joysticks, but second thing, those machines must have been brand new when they put them in. The thing about those machines is that I think they were brand new because the controls were extremely tight. I mean, I had to put some serious muscle to move... You know, I think I played a game of Mr. Do, which is in four directions, which is fine. But I found that I couldn't play the game like I normally could because I had to basically put a lot more muscle into moving the joystick in the directions that um, I wanted to move the clown in. So, you know, I, I can usually rock Mr. Do for at least 150,000 points. And I was only able to get, like, 60 because I was fighting the joystick. So, yeah. Despite all those things, I still enjoyed myself. You know, it's a funky, quirky little spot, and I liked it. Um, the upstairs gastropub that is Bobcat Bonnie's, I think, in my personal opinion, tries a little too hard with its menu. But the food is actually good. Um, and once they were able to open up for late hours, I was... I made plans to go to 
go back there and just see how things had changed and hopefully they were for the better um i wrote this uh rundown in on march 4th of uh 2022 at the time they were only open till 10 o'clock and 11 on the weekends um that wasn't open quite late enough so i would just basically you know bided my time until uh things changed and about on uh May 13th, uh, they actually changed. Um, I follow Keystone on Facebook and they had updated their hours on, uh, to uh, close at midnight on Fridays and Saturdays. So, and also combine that with a slight reduction in my working hours at my primary job. Uh, so I made plans to go there on Friday night and I did. Um, from a gaming sense, purely from a gaming sense, the place took a step backwards, in my opinion. Um, on the one hand, they got a Rush pinball machine, uh, which I played several games on it, but I couldn't hear the machine because, unfortunately, it was karaoke night, and the ceilings at Bobcat Bonnie's are really low, and the uh, guy who was running the karaoke machine uh, should have, like, tamped down the microphone levels of the people doing karaoke because you know there was some very painful singing <laughs> at certain points not just because you know a couple of people had had a little too much to drink and were singing way out of key but they were singing extremely loud <laughs> so yeah there was that and then uh they'd removed several of the uh game machines and the ones that i played played absolutely awful so it wasn't that good of an experience for me so basically to cleanse my palate I just had to go to Pinball Pete's for an hour or so um, it's just an okay place now it's not what it was when I first went there I might end up having to redo my arcade review for Bobcat Bonnie's but we'll get there um, so that's my arcade rundown um, if you live in the Ann Arbor Ypsilanti area and you go to Bobcat Bonnie's and you go down to Keystone and you think it's, you know, the bee's knees, tell me why. ArcadeAddictRyan at gmail.com. Okay, let's get right into Are You Experienced? I'm too old for this. Hiding in front seats like a teenager. Oh, but I think I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm getting too old for this. Listen, you was born too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Lying red arsed in the heather chasing other men's cattle. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. Maybe you're getting too old for this. What do you think, huh? I'm not too old for this shit. I'm not too old for this shit. You will not. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. Say like you believe. We're not too old for this shit. Yeah. We're not too old for this shit. I'm not gonna buy a hemorrhoid cookie. We're not too old for this shit. Are you experienced? Crawl. Yeah, I love this. is one of This is one of my favorite games of 1983. I think I put that on the list. As a matter of fact. Um. Now the frustrating part is is that. I scoured the internet for actual information and history on the game, and all that kept coming up was the 2600 version of it, and that was like, well, this is not good. <laughs> so, you know, I think I played the 2600 version of Crawl, but if I did, I'd have, I'd barely even remember it. So, um, I'm sorely tempted to do a write-up and post that on uh, Wikipedia for the arcade game, um, but I'm not going to do that because 
I don't have as much access to the actual history of the game, and I wish there was somebody I could talk to who could really give me the skinny on, you know, the creation of the game, you know, and all the challenges of programming it, and so forth and so on. But as we know, Gottlieb is no more these days. So let's move right ahead to my experience with it. As far as I was concerned, uh, as far as Crawl goes, the game was fantastic, if a little frustrating. Uh, Gottlieb did a great job making you feel like you were part of the movie. Um, tr the Trumbull Mall Arcade got this game almost immediately in the summer of 83, followed by Spanky's, and I think the Connecticut Pulse Mall Arcade got it too. Um, people were playing this a lot, including the regulars who were constantly competing for high scores on the machine. Um, I was pretty decent at it, and I made a real, really concerted effort to get better at it because, of course, you're in competition with like six, seven, eight other dudes. Um, the game is really challenging because the speed of it keeps ramping up and up, and in a couple of stages, the actual terrain can be your worst enemy at times, but let's get right into that. Um, Alright, let's pivot immediately into time for some strategy. strategy. Uh, this game consists of five mini-games. Um, the controls are reminiscent of Robotron, but instead of, like, ball, you know, sticks to end with uh, balls on the top like Robotron does, it's that tapered, reverse taper uh, control sticks. One controls the movement of your player, and the other one controls the direction that you fire your glaive shots in. Um... Let's see. The first stage is deceptively simple. Uh, you need to retrieve five pieces of the glaive for a thousand points apiece while avoiding rolling boulders. Those who want to point press can run down just in front of a rolling boulder for ten points per step, but of course that's at the risk of losing a life. Um, I've seen people do it. I'm pretty sure there are videos on YouTube of people doing, you know, run-throughs of the game. Um, if not world record attempts and stuff like that. Um, but the best way to get past this level is to get the pieces higher up on the hill first, because as time goes on on the level, the bowlers become uh, faster and more numerous. So you want to get up there and get the pieces up top, then make your way down to get the other pieces. The second game is also pretty straightforward. Now that you're armed with the glaive, it's time to gather your army while bat battling the slayers who shoot at you. Uh, this minigame is strongly derivative of Robotron as you move around the screen, shooting slayers while trying to retrieve your allied soldiers and avoiding getting shot or rammed. Uh, each soldier, soldier that you gather is worth a thousand points, while each slayer you kill is worth a hundred. After getting your soldiers, shoot the remaining slayers to finish the level. Um, one of the things that I forgot to mention in this write-up is that uh, as you after you gain all your soldiers um, basically it starts off like this you start the level 
Um, you basically have to collect your soldiers, but as you collect your soldiers, the slayers who are teleporting in, um, as you collect more and more of your soldiers, the slayers start moving and shooting faster. And then once you get all of your uh, all your soldiers, the opposing slayers, uh, they stop teleporting in. Stop teleporting in, thankfully, but they start moving faster as you shoot more of them. You know, all the way up until the last one who is moving pretty break at a pretty breakneck speed, and it just behooves you just to get off this level as quickly as possible. Um, the soldiers will run in your direction, and your glaive shots will rebound from either the slayer that they hit or the walls or objects that they hit. So you can actually kill slayers and the on the rebound, which means once it hits a hits a slayer or it hits a wall, or it hits a, an obstacle, it will bounce off and, and come right back to you. So that, that helps. Um, you can make, make that work, work for you. You keep moving, and you try to avoid getting caught in crossfires. It's, that's the easiest way to lose your lives in, on that stage. Okay, the third game. Um, it's similar to the last one, but now you're in a cave where you're trying to get your soldiers into the hexagon for a thousand points apiece. That basically means that you basically pick up one of your soldiers and then the hexagon will appear and it will you know try to get to you and it will teleport the soldier away and you get your thousand points then um the slayers again will try to kill you but it, the game is much tougher here because of the terrain um like i said it basically there are rocks in the middle of the level and it, you can if you're not moving in the right direction uh you can get stuck on those rocks for a second and of course that's kind of you know asking to get killed because the slayers are coming around and they're shooting at you you know while they're you know while you're trying to make your way over to where your soldiers are so yeah this this level can be really tough <laughs> really really tough um Let's see, like I said, it's easy to get stuck on a rock and not being able to move for those crucial split seconds while the slayers are shooting at you, and you'll lose a life. I personally think this is the toughest level in the game next to Stage 5. I think Stage 3 and Stage 5 are, like, tied as far as difficulty goes, but we'll get to Stage 5 in a second. Um, like I said, the best thing to do is to gather the soldiers as quickly as possible to get off the level and try not to get trapped against the rocks. Easier said than done. Um, when you get your last soldier and the uh, hexagon teleports it away, any slayers on the screen are instantly killed, giving you 100 points per slayer that are uh, that die at that point. So, onto the fourth game. Now, the fourth game is somewhat similar to the MCP cone level in Tron. Now you have to break through the bottom wall of the hexagon to free your soldiers when the wall turns black. If you shoot it when the wall is any other color, the game, sh the glaive shots get stuck in the wall, and you won't get them back until the wall turns black. It's not too difficult at first, but in later levels, it can get pretty frustrating. Um, I find the easiest way to get off that level is to put yourself as close to the hexagon as possible and shoot up at the wall when it turns instantly when it turns black, and then pause for however long you need to ascertain whether the next wall is black or not and if it's black you shoot again and you keep doing it like that until you break through to the center of the hexagon and all your soldiers come out 
and you get a thousand point bonus for each one of your soldiers. And that's on to the final level. Um, now, the final level is going up against the beast himself. Um, you can't kill him, so you basically have to get by him and get to where Princess Lissa is at the top of the screen to end the level. So he starts shooting fireballs at you, so you have to either avoid them or shoot them for 100 points apiece. Um, the level can get really hectic really fast, so the best thing to do is to get by the beast as quickly as possible and save your shots for the fireballs he'll throw at you. Um, he will go for reflection shots as well as shooting at you directly, so if the fireballs look like they're going to get close to you, shoot them. Um, once you get to Princess Lissa, the soldiers you rescued will come out of the right side of the screen and the beast will exit stage left, and then the level is over. You get a thousand points for each soldier that you rescued, and it's on to the next set of levels at a higher difficulty. And it keeps going like that. Um, Crawl is a fun game, and in my opinion, it's somewhat underrated and pretty rare nowadays. I mean, it was really popular in my area when it came out in 83, although I did not see a crawl machine again until the arcade in Brighton had one for a short time. That's the only time I've seen one. Oh, and of course, Galloping Ghost does have a crawl machine. I do remember seeing that. I think I actually played it. So, you know, that was that was a pretty good, it's a pretty good game. I mean, it's really, it's a rare one nowadays. I mean, not many places have them. You know, and if you, you have a place nearby that has a crawl machine, hey, play it because you never know when they, when that might actually go away. But it, either way, that's crawl. Um, if you have any tips or tricks that I haven't covered and you feel like sharing them with the world, hey, get a hold of me, arcadeaddictryan at gmail.com. All right, and finally for this short show, we're going to go on the road. As a matter of fact, this is the... Uh, evening that I went to uh, uh, Bob Capani's in Keystone and then afterwards I went to Pinball Pete's and I think I did a recording right after I left uh, Bob Capani's you know going to my car and then I think I uh, did another part of this after I went to Pinball Pete's so let's find out because <laughs> this has been sitting around literally for almost a year so I've forgotten what's on it let's go take a ride folks, Brian here, and this is On the Road. On my way home from Pinball Pete's after a first night at Bobcat Bonnie's. Um, I already did, I already put down rough vocal notes for an arcade rundown and review for Bobcat Bonnie's, so um, this will probably come after I actually do the uh, two segments prior to this, but either way. After 
an afternoon of making sure my son was taken care of, buying him clothes, getting him a haircut, and all that stuff. Um, I decided after sweeping and mopping the floors of our apartment that I was going to take the rest of the evening for myself. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I'd heard about Bobcat Bonnie's, um, oh goodness, I want to say like a year ago when I was looking for places that have uh, pinball and video games. So I knew this place existed, but with the, then the pandemic hit and the place was pretty much shut down for the last, I want to say, 12 to 14 months. And only recently have they reopened, but they're not, of course, at full capacity. Um, and their hours are still a little stunted. You know, they only cl they close at 11 o'clock, so I couldn't go there after work. So I had to figure you know, I had to take a Saturday and go over there, and well, I took this Saturday. Um, real interesting place. Really, it kind of cool, kind of cool. I mean, it's catered more towards uh, more towards the college students that go to EMU because they're only maybe like a half mile away from EMU campus. Um, so yeah, I went over there. Um, the place, of course, because they weren't at full seating capacity, the place was still a little packed. So I had to waste a little time. So I went down into the uh, barcade, which is on, which is, um, on the lower floor basically just go down the bar, you know, go down the stairs, and this nice little spot, fairly quiet, you know, you know, not like, you know, loud music, I mean, it, I mean, it's not understated, but it's, you know, just not quite as loud as the restaurant and bar on the first floor, so went down there, got some money out of the ATM, went over to the bar, broke a 20, I wasn't in the mood to drink alcohol, so, you know, I didn't do that. And I went to, you know, I just looked at what they had. You know, they have, you know, about four or five modern machines, you know, late model machines. We're talking after 2000. And then there were two, there was, oh, that's right, they have a bubble hockey, of course. And they have two iCade machines. Now, I, I said something about this when I did my notes for the, the review of the place, but my whole thing is, is that, you know, they advertised, it was really, really slick the way they did it, and only, you know, an old head arcade junkie like myself would actually take a little umbrage with it. I mean, I'm not upset by this, but it's, it's still, a, I, I think it to be a little bit sneaky. The way their website was is that, of course, they list all the games they have, and, you know, they've listed, you know, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, you know, this, that, the other thing. So I'm going down there expecting to see at least, like, 30 machines. And I go down there, and they've got, what, I'd say a total of, like, between 8 and 10, and then another 7 or 8 pinball machines. But here's the rub, you know, 
and this is where it, I admire it on the one hand, and I think it's a little bit of dirty pool on the other hand, is that the all the machines they advertise on their website, they're all in two iCade machines. You know, there's, there's a regular stand-up iCade, and then they have a, a tabletop iCade. And like I said, I'm not, it doesn't offend my sensibilities 100%, but it's just like, oh, I see what you did here. And sure enough, you know, you know, they, they have the, the games they advertise, but they're in iCades, which is a lot different than having the actual machines, which is kind of what was implied, because I never saw anything saying uh, they had um, iCade machines. So, like I said, it's one of those things where it, you know, like I said, on the one hand, it's like you're clever, but at the same time, I'm like, you're trying a little too hard to be clever, that kind of thing. So, you know, I played a few games. Um, I found the controls on the stand-up iCade to be really, really tight. I mean, to the point where if you want to, like I, the first game I played was Mr. Do, you know, and for those who don't know, an iCade is basically, I think they run it off of ROMs, but, um, Basically, you could put it into a arcade cabinet and it has like this like uh, page set up. After you put a quarter in and you get a credit, then it, it immediately goes over to these pages. This one had 10 pages. I've seen an iCade that's had like more than 10. I think it had like 15 or something like that. But, um, so yeah, I mean, so, yeah, once you put your quarter in, then you use the joystick to select what game you want and press the fire button, and it immediately starts it. So, you know, I'm all right with it. I'm okay with it. But, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's a little bit on the... That's a little bit, little bit of subterfuge there. But, um, so, like I said, the controls were really, really tight. I mean, the control stick was like... You literally had to put some muscle behind it to get get to move the joystick so you could move, you know, like while I was playing Mr. Dude to move the clown around. The buttons were fine. Um, but yeah, it was like really, really tough. And one of my major problems with these, um, with these, um, these collection, you know, these arcade collection machines is that they have games in there that you have to have eight-way controls on the on the stick in order to play them properly. That was one of the things I ran into the last time I went to um, Marvin's. They have a legitimate Namco, oh, what is it, like, what, 30th or 30th or 40th anniversary machine, whatever it is, but it's got, like, Dig Dug and Galaga and Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man and they have uh, Bosconian in there. Now, the problem with Bos the problem with that machine, same same thing. It's only calibrated for four directions. Bosconian is a game you have to play in eight directions. And you know, when I played it the last time I was at Marvin's, yeah, it was like for a second I was like, I need to complain about this. And I'm like, wait a minute. 
that they're not going to know anything from this. And even if they do, this is probably how the game uh, came, you know, came to them. I don't think they have anything to do with the calibration of the joystick. And it's the same thing in, Bo in Bobcat Bonnie's. So, like I said, you know, that was okay. I mean, then I, after I played a few games, I went back upstairs, got a table, sat down. It took a little bit longer than usual uh, to get served. Well, that was also because I didn't know it at the time, but they had uh, outside dining in the alleyway between buildings behind Bobcat Bonnie's. I didn't know that. So there was like, what, I want to say, did, 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 say like 10 tables maybe, maybe 12 in, you know, in the actual restaurant proper. And, you know, so I, so yeah, it took me a little longer, a little longer to get served. But when I did get my food, I ordered a, uh, a cheesesteak sandwich, which had, what was it? Uh, of course, you know, shaved beef, uh, Swiss cheese, um, onions, peppers, mushrooms. It was really good. I mean, it was, and it had au jus for dipping. So I was just like, I was in heaven. This was, it was awesome. And, and the jus they made was absolutely fantastic. It smelled like they took the leavings, you know, the drippings out of like um, a broiled steak or something like that, you know, and just put a little seasoning in it and, you know, put it in a cup for dipping. It was, it was awesome. It was fantastic. Um, let's see. Then after that, you know, I finished my dinner. I was a little bit, I was a little stuffed. And, you know, after I paid for my dinner, you know, I walked out, got to my car. I said, you know what? I don't feel like going home yet because it was only like a little after 10. And I said, well, let's just go to Pinball Pete's and, and play a couple games. And that's what I did. That's what I wrapped it off, wrapped up the night as. The problem was the parking garage that's right behind Pinball Pete's, um, they're undergoing construction. So like half of the... um half of the parking spaces for the first three levels, I think, or first four levels actually are like cordoned off. So you have to go in, you know, go, you know, it's basically like uh, a two way, a two way uh, street. Now it's two way Avenue now. And it's like really, really close. Well, I get in the parking garage and um, apparently somebody stalled out you know apparently their battery died or something and they were taking you know they were trying to they got a jump from somebody and so you know so me and like three other people are like in line behind um you know this entire situation and the vehicle they had was like this huge um suv i think it was a suburban and so they got that whole thing and we had to let the people that were leaving the building go first because there was only one way to get through all of that. So we let them go first and then we, you know, then we went. So, you know, I was in the parking garage for like 15 minutes, you know, waiting for this whole thing to resolve so I could get to a parking spot and go down to Pinball Pete's. Um a lot of cute girls in pinball beats tonight. I will say that. Um, and you know, I played street fighter two champion edition again. There must be something not quite right with the controls because I'm having a lot of trouble 
getting off um, tiger shots and tiger uppercuts. I play Sagat exclusively on that game. And I'm having a lot of trouble getting that, getting that done. And I know it's not just a lack of practice on my part uh, because I actually beat the game. Um, even though I lost a couple of fights because I couldn't get off a tiger uppercut when I wanted to, or get a tiger shot off when I wanted to. And, you know, it was just all kinds of levels of frustration with that game. Um, then I played Tron, got the high score on there, which is not a big, big accomplishment because there aren't that many people around in Ann Arbor who are actually decent at Tron. <laughs> So I got that high score. I only got like 37,000. It was like just an average game. Um, then I went, then I went and played, um, Ms. Pac-Man on the Ms. Pac-Man Galaga, uh, 30th anniversary, um, machine. I wanted to, I was, I was trying to get, I tried to get the high score, but you know, the high score, this is like standard scoring, you know, 10 points per dot, 50 points per pellet, 200, 400, 800, 1600 for the ghosts. And the high score on that machine is 544,000. And it was like, yeah, you have to be really, really good at Ms. Pac-Man to get to get that, get that score, even on a hyper machine. Um, and I got only about what I think I got maybe what a hundred and forty, hundred fifty thousand, because I kept doing stupid things. I trapped myself like three times. You know, only once did they actually get me. The other ones I ended up screwing myself over. But you know, that's pretty much it. You know, just not not a bad night. Basically, an evening with Bonnie and Pete, if you will. <laughs> all right i just pulled in at my house uh it is now midnight and i need to uh get in there and do the dishes and chill out uh for a little while before i go to bed because i've got a lot of things to do tomorrow too so anyway this is brian giving you a little quick on the road segment have fun out there stay safe stay sane we're almost done with this damn pandemic folks let's just not be stupid Au revoir. This has been the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. All music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. You can contact the show by email at arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-743-2433. Until next time, you have been listening to the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. See you then.